From our local high schools to the pros, the Dallas Morning News has got North Texas sports covered, and it's more than just the scores. From all the off-season moves to in-season adjustments and maybe even postseason glory, the DMN has got the inside scoop on your favorite teams, players, and coaches. You can follow every goal, save, bucket, and touchdown as the Dallas Morning News delivers real local sports journalism from the press box and locker room straight to your inbox. As soon as the podcast is over, head to dallasnews.com sports to see what Brad Townsend, Callie Kaplan, and the rest of the DMN gang has for you there. Hello and welcome to Maps Daily, where we break down a question, event, news, or trend having to do with the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Bobby Corella. I'm from Mavs Digital. Joining me today, one of our fearless scribes over at Mavs.com. He is the great, the legendary, the extraordinary Dwayne Price. Dwayne, how the heck are you? Bobby, Happy New Year. Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Feliz Navidad. It's been so long since we talked, man. The Mavs play like five games a week these days. There's no time for us to just kick back and relax and hang out. Yeah, the last time I talked to you, we had another president of the United States. That's been that long. It feels like it's been a whole year since I talked to you. (laughs) You been all right? Oh, I've been all right. I've been all right. I cannot complain. But, Dwayne, the Mavs, they went... We went a year without talking, you and me. They went two years without losing three straight games, but they've done it twice, like in the last 10 days. So the subject of this episode, you and I are going to fix this team, man. We're going to talk about what's going on, and we're going to figure out how they can right the ship, hopefully tonight against Utah, tomorrow against Phoenix. The games do not stop, so they got to try and get things figured out. But just kind of 30,000-foot view, where where are things now with this team? Where is your head at with what's going on? I mean, obviously, there are struggles. Uh, some of them are out of their control. But, I mean, you know, things have been better, that's for sure. Well, you know, you got to address the, the, the elephant in the room. It's the COVID-19. I mean, they, they had five guys who have uh, been under that. Jalen Bronson, uh, of course, is back. Max, uh, Max Kleber is still in it. And they had uh, Josh Richardson. Dorian Finney-Smith and uh, Dwight Powell just returned this past Wednesday against Utah. You know, they had been out. Uh, uh, Josh and uh, Dorian had missed nine games, and Dwight had missed eight games. And I tell people this all the time. It's a player's league. If you got players, some, some good players, you're probably going to win. If you don't have them, you're probably going to lose. So the Mavericks are in a situation where they've had some of their best players, you know, been sidelined by COVID-19. And the unfortunate thing is, like I said, uh, Josh and, and Dorian and Dwight just got back Wednesday. It's still going to take them some time to get their legs back up up under them and get back in shape. So while they're doing that, the games are still coming. I mean, the NBA is not going to stop and say, hey, wait, let these guys get back in shape before the Mavs play another game. No, unfortunately, that's not, that's not the way it works. And the other part is the Mavs have yet to play one game with their full roster. Porzingis has not played a game this year with uh, Maxi Cleaver. You know, Maxi went out after the, uh, the Orlando game on January the 9th, and Porzingis' first game was, was January the 13th against Charlotte. So it, they got a lot of stuff that's going on, a lot of crazy stuff. And so it, it, it doesn't surprise me that they're sitting there with an 8-10 record because they played some tough games. I mean, 11 out of their first 15 games were away, even though – you and I both know that they play better on the road than they do at home for whatever crazy reason. 
But I, I, I think I think I, I can see the light at the end of the tunnel after the nice game against the Jazz. They, they'll have two games against Phoenix. They got two uh, against uh, uh, is it Atlanta. Warriors. And there there is an Atlanta game mixed in there somewhere, too. Yeah, it's, two, it's going to be two Atlanta games. Uh, two Atlanta games, two Warriors games, uh, Minnesota games. So I'm saying all these games and New Orleans, all these games coming up before they play Portland on uh, – on a Valentine's Day. So if they can just, you know, get a little break here and there, I see a light at the end of the tunnel. Dwayne, I'm definitely bringing a bottle of wine to the arena on Valentine's Day. I promise you that. So we're going to be partying up at the Lexus Club. Uh, so it's it's interesting what you said about how, you know, those guys came back and you kind of need to give them time to get back into rhythm. Some of the things that, that Brunson and, and Dorian Finney-Smith in particular said uh, during their kind of their first conversations with the media over zoom once they came back were pretty revealing and you know ordinarily if a guy turns an ankle or you know pulls a hammy or something he can still be in the gym be around the team you know he can still lift some weights he can still get some shots up and stuff like it's possible to sort of stay in basketball mode but for these guys you know whenever they were in the health and safety protocol especially the guys who were really sick you know I mean they couldn't do anything I mean they they couldn't dribble a ball they could I mean they could barely even leave their hotel room like in fact they couldn't leave their hotel room and so what you're really seeing is even world-class people you know if they take a few days off or a few weeks off like they're not going to come back and just be NBA caliber players right away you know you kind of almost like revert to like high school caliber and then you got to work your way through college and then back up to pro like it takes a long time to get back into rhythm if even if you take a few days off yeah, and to your point, Dorian said something that was very revealing. He he was stuck in a hotel in Denver for 14 days, and he couldn't talk to uh, the rookie Josh Green and tell him, hey, this is the way you guard this guy and all that. Whereas if he was hurt and on the bench, he could tell him that, you know, because, I mean, it's, it's not fair to the rookies, you know, not just the Mavericks rookies, any rookies in the league. You know, because, you know, they, they had a draft. There, there was no summer league. There was barely a, a, a training camp. And all of a sudden, they get thrown in the fire, and they have to go to work and try to guard some of these, you know, the best players in the world. You know, it just – I don't think anybody can do that right now. A little Bron didn't do that when he was a rookie. Kobe didn't do it when he was a rookie. It, it just is what it is, a tough situation. And and Dorian said he could not talk to those guys. And I understand that, but – but now he's back, and uh, hopefully, you know, he'll get his legs up under him. And, and and I say guys like this when they're in a situation like this, because we've never been through a pandemic, obviously. But I think for uh, three or four games, I think they'll be they'll be ready to go. Yep. Yeah, it reminds me of a of a saying my band director in high school used to say all the time to try and scare us into practicing every day, was that. Uh, a professional trumpet player once said, if I take one day off, I know. If I take two days off, my wife knows. And if I take three days off, everybody knows. And a lot of these guys were out for like two weeks. And so it will take them a little bit. And and kind of the downside of it is, and this goes for the rookies too, is that, you know, this season with the pace of games, there's like no practice time. You know, the teams are getting rid of shoot arounds, obviously, because they're getting tested in the morning instead of being able to practice, being able to be around the team. And then, for example, tonight, the Mavs play the Jazz. Tomorrow, they play the Suns. The next day is an off day. And then the day after that, they play again. And so you're going like entire weeks without practicing at all. And Dwayne, you know from covering the Mavs and, and, and being around Rick Carlisle for so long, 
they love their practice time. I mean, they'll practice two, three, four hours, and it's just like a big, long marathon session. But that's where you really get better. And a lot of the problems, I think, right now with the team are very, like, correctable mistakes, you know. It's guys missing rotations. It's people trying to figure out what Rick talked about yesterday, figuring out the spacing on offense, where to be and when to be there. That was the sort of the strength of the team last year is that everybody was in the right spot all the time, and it just made everybody's job so much easier. Well, this year you're just dropping a bunch of new guys onto the court, and they're trying to figure out how to play together, and then all of a sudden half your team is out for two weeks. And so everyone is having to relearn and recalibrate this stuff on the fly against the Utah Jazz, who's like the best team in the NBA right now. And so it's a, it's a, pretty, it's a pretty daunting uh, sort of process that they're going through right now. Yeah, and I don't wish that on anybody. And like you said, it was against the Jazz, who you know won ten games in a row, the longest winning streak of any team in the NBA this season. And right now, they have the best record in in the, in the NBA. And you out there trying to beat them in their building, which is, you know, uh, you know, obviously I, I've been doing this for uh, quite a long time, and I can I can say this without any fear: the Jazz has the toughest arena in the NBA. For Dude, some reason, when you play in that building, everything changes. Everything changes. It's, just, it's, it's an unbelievable home court advantage that I don't think gets talked about a lot in the league. Yeah, that Utah arena, even since they renovated it, the fans are still like right on the court, man. I mean, it is so loud in there. And it's at, it's at the elevation to not quite Denver elevation, but it's still at elevation, so your lungs are burning. They allow fans this year, so even though it's only 5,000 people, that's it still gets pretty bumping in there whenever that team is playing well. I agree with you. It is a very, very, very tough place to play. I've, I think I've only been there like maybe four, three or four games, and the Mavs, I think, have won one of those games. Uh, I mean, the, the place is just there. Utah is very difficult to play in, and that team is very tough to play on that court. And I will say this, Bobby. Man, they got some of the best fans in the league. It's almost like the fans, and I know they do this. They get the roster of the opposing team, and they study it. They study every player. And let me give you an example. This was back in the day, uh, and I dated myself when I mentioned when I mentioned the uh, the guy. Uh, this is when the media used to sit right there, you know, on the court and all that between, you know, that big old table between the two between the two benches. And this guy that was, was sitting behind me about five rows, he was just screaming over there at the Mavericks, at the Mavericks bench. He kept saying, Taco, Taco, Taco. And everybody else, who was he talking about? Then he finally said, Taco Bell. He was talking about Roger Bell. Oh, my God. <laughs> and everybody on the Mavericks bench just, just cracked up, including Roger Bell. <laughs> Even I had to turn around and say, hey, man, that was a good one, man. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. There are, like, Clipper Darrell is a really famous one, but and, and there's a guy in Philly that does it too. But there's there's uh, there's some famous trash talkers around the league, for sure. Uh, there's a couple guys in Memphis who are pretty good too. Right, right. Um, and they do it all with class, and that, that's a good thing, you know. You know, And that's why I like it. But, you know, I always say those those teams that have – only have one professional. Those cities that don't have one professional team, like Salt Lake City, they only got one. San Antonio only got one. Sacramento only got one. Portland got one. Those fans in that city, in that, in that city, rally around that one team, and understandably so. So 
when you go into those places, it's that really, really tough. Remember Sacramento had the guy behind the bench, the two guys with the bell the whole time with this bell, just ring, 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 ring. Man, I had so many headaches. That, man, when you start ringing that bell, they're not going <laughs> to do it, man. They do it the whole game. <laughs> and remember Spurs had the baseline bombs? The baseline bombs, of course, were legendary. I'm really dating myself now. This is right after, not not after, not soon after the 1975-96 uh, merger between the ABA and the NBA. Uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was uh, playing for the Lakers at, at that time, and uh, his house caught on fire. You know, of course, he was a big jazz uh, enthusiast, and a lot of his jazz albums uh, got burnt up in the in the fire. And the Spurs had these fans called the Baseline Bombs that sit along the baseline and and just create havoc. And this time, when the, when the Lakers played the Spurs in San Antonio, a lot of the baseline Bonds fans showed up with what albums, man. I mean, it was like Kareem was pissed, pissed off. <laughs> they, they were they were mocking, of course, obviously that it, that it's albums. I thought that that story was gonna have like a happy ending, like they like <laughs> raised money so he could buy new ones or something. Oh, not the baseline. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> that's dirty. But what I'm saying. They get in tune to their team, and then they study what's going on with the other team, and then they try to get on their last nerve. That's what they yeah. do, and I understand. That's what you're supposed to do as fans: get on the other team's last nerve, so you can help your team win the ball game. So I yeah. get it, even though that was kind of that was kind of a low blow there. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Portland too. Uh, Post pandemic, if you have you know the means, and and if it's possible and you're listening to this podcast, definitely go check out a game in Portland. Whether the Mavs are playing or not, it's so much fun. The fans are just insane. It's so loud. Dame is a lot of fun to watch, obviously. That place, even in the new – I didn't go back whenever it was the Rose Garden. I'm you know way too young. But uh, that arena is – it gets pretty bumping in there too. It's, it's chaos in there, especially when the Blazers are playing well. Yeah, yeah, and they have some of the best food in the NBA in the media, in the media dining room. Ooh. Oh, I miss Detroit so much. Oh yeah, <laughs> we need to get back up there, Dwayne. We need to get back up there. Detroit is the best. It's like you're in a restaurant. It's like, what is this? <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing. Who who doesn't love a good buffet? Uh, okay, so Mavs play the Jazz tonight. Then they play two against the Suns. Of course, Devin Booker and uh, Chris Paul. Those are two guys, especially Booker, who's had a lot of good games against the Mavs, although he didn't play the other night. I don't know if he's still in if, if he's in COVID situation or, or what's going on. Uh, honestly, haven't been studying a lot of other teams' rosters, but uh, nevertheless, it's going to be a tough task ahead for the Mavs. The only nine and what? eight Phoenix with the team everybody talked about. They went eight and zero in the bubble. And I always say, okay, at the end of the day, it's still Phoenix. I don't care if it is Chris Paul on that team. They're nine and eight right now. Yeah, and they uh, I think they won last night too, right? Jay the Beast Crowder's back and he's playing well. I mean, everybody is uh, you know, don't don't sleep on the Suns or the Blazers who are still finding ways to win games without uh, CJ McCollum, although they did lose last night to the Rockets, who've won like four games in a row and have the number one defense in the NBA since that Harden trade. So shout outs to our guy Steven Silas. But um anyway, Dwayne, offensively, so we kind of talked about how like you you just bring back all your best defenders. It's going to take them a while to get back up to speed. And Utah did kind of beat down the Mavs on the offensive end, on the defensive end of the floor the other night. But of course, Utah is like the best offense in the league right now. And so it's tough to fine tune your defense against a great offense and the jazz have a great offense. But when the Mavs have the ball, 
we're kind of in the situation right now where a few different things are happening. So primarily, I think the most important thing is you're bringing back a bunch of guys. So you're trying to get back them back into rhythm. That's Josh Richardson, Dorian Finney-Smith, Dwight Powell. If you remember Jalen Brunson, I think his first game back might not have been that good. Uh, but then he's he's been basically fantastic ever since coming back for the most part from uh, from from protocol. So hopefully it shouldn't take those other guys too long to get back into rhythm. And then the next step is, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. But then the next step is you got Kristaps Porzingis, who has said that he, he wants to play center. You know, it, it makes it easier for him to kind of get into the flow. But then, you know, he played center against the Jazz the other night, and Utah got a bunch of offensive rebounds. And so it's kind of this trade-off thing of, like, putting KP at the five might be best for the offense, and it's definitely best for KP. But then is that enough to overcome sort of what happens on the defensive end? And that's sort of like the big question, I think, uh, that's sort of facing the team right now. Yeah, and and, and, and you're trying to, and he's playing five uh, against Rudy Gobert and uh, uh, Gobert, and uh, he got 29 and 20, you know, most points he scored since March of 2017. But I'll go back to something that uh, Rick Carlisle always say. I mean, you got to play well in the first quarter because it's going to affect you the whole game. And to his point, the other night, Wednesday night against the Jazz, the Mavericks got outscored 32 to 19 in the first quarter. The last three quarters, the Mavs outscored the Jazz 85-84. So they lost the game in the first quarter. So if they can just somewhere, they should get three quarters of a win for that, then, Blaine. <laughs> I know. And Joe Ingles, who was starting in the place of Donovan Mitchell, you know, who was out with a concussion, he had seven three pointers. I mean. You can leave Joe Ingles in the gym by himself. No disrespect. He won't get seven three-pointers in a 48-minute in a game. I mean, that's just, that's just one of those things. And, and Jordan Clarkson comes off the bench and scores a season-high 31 points. I mean, it's just a whole lot of things. It was like the perfect storm for the Mavs to lose that game, and, and that's what happened. And you got the, you know, the three guys for the Mavs just coming back for their first game, and you playing in Utah, which is the toughest arena in the league. So it was just a whole lot of things that was going on that was going against the Mavs. So the outcome really was not surprising. Yeah, I mean, plain and simple, the ball moves faster than humans can, and Utah passes it so well. They really share the ball, and so if your rotations aren't on point, if you're not anticipating, if you're not where you need to be when you need to be there, then they're going to hit you with an open three. And, you know, they got a lot of really good shooters. Now, whether or not they're going to make 60% of them like some of those guys did, who knows? But, uh, you know, like I said, it's a tough team to work out the rust against. But uh, moving forward, you know, and, and we work for the team, obviously, and so we're trying to – we're not trying to dunk on any of the players or anything. But moving forward, I think that this a lot of these issues are correctable. I think you just need these guys to play together. But to your point about, you know, maybe it'll take three games or four games, and then once Maxi comes back, it's going to take him three games or four games – so all of a sudden, we're now into almost February, and they're still trying to learn how to play together just because they've been beset by injuries and, and, and COVID and everything like that. And so the question, Dwayne, in, a, in such a condensed season is how much longer can they go kind of trying to figure things out before you're going to find yourself in a situation where you're like, oh, crap, we have to win 70% of our games for the rest of the year to make the playoffs. Like, in a shortened season, time is money, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, and I see what you're saying, but I don't, you know, I'm not there on that, you know, because I understand, like I said before, you got to have players. So I think once they get the complement of players back, 
and they can get some uh, some time, some practice time, because it has been, you know, just boom, 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 boom. They went through a period last week. They played five games in seven days in, in four different cities, so obviously there's no time to practice. And then when you got back-to-backs like you do tonight and tomorrow, you can't practice Sunday, then bam, there's another game on Monday and all that. So I think and, – and that's not going to happen the entire season. So once they get through that period, I think they're going to be okay, number one. Number two, all this craziness and all this condensed scheduling that the Mavericks are going through, every team is going to have to go through that. So is eventually those, those teams who are not going through that right now, once they go through that, then now they're going to fall back to the pack too. They're going to start losing some games, and heaven forbid that – COVID-19 uh, hits other teams, which we already know it has with Memphis and with, uh, with Washington and some of the other teams. Uh, I mean, the other teams get hit like that, and then now we got another issue. You know, So I think the team that's, that's the healthiest at the end of the season is probably going to be the team that wins the NBA title. Yeah, and I mean, hopefully, you know, hopefully no players catch COVID, uh, but injuries are an inevitability. An inevitability. Oh, my gosh, Dwayne. Um, throughout, yeah, throughout the season. And so, you know, some teams are going to be hit by that. And then obviously there's going to be moves too. I mean, if, if you read NBA news, there's rumors flying all the time about all these players. And so, uh, the power structure is definitely going to be shaken up at some point and hopefully the Mavs can kind of capitalize on that. But, uh, I guess before we get out of here, do you have any, like, uh, any plugs, any thoughts on your mind that you, that you want to share with people just kind of, uh, you know, mind of Dwayne? Well, uh, like I said, I, I just think, you know, I understand Mavs fans are looking at the standard and they see 8 and 10. That's all they see is 8 and 10. What's wrong with the Mavs? They don't have their players. If they got all their players right now, 18 games, I can, I can honestly, just looking at the schedule and looking at the games that they have lost, I can honestly say they would be 12 and 6 right now. And 12 and 6 is not bad, especially when you see Utah with the best record in the entire league at 14 and four and the way they got to 14 and four is they won 10 in a row, you know, so that Miles fan don't jump off the cliff. Everything's fine. They're going to be okay. As soon as they get all their players back and as soon as they get some games and some practice time together so they can work through all these kinks, they'll be okay. Yeah, it's just going to take some patience, going to take some time, going to take some TLC and uh, you know, going to take some good luck. Just need just need some slightly better luck, Dwayne, and they'll be right there. I'm I'm with you. I'm with you. Well said. All right. Well, I appreciate you joining me, man. This was kind of a quick one, but we got a lot on our mind, and you got a lot going on today. We we're busy people, and uh, you know the Mavs play tonight. It's a national TV game, so if you're local, obviously you can catch it on Fox Sports Southwest. If you're around the country, you can flip on ESPN. How about that? Mavs on national TV. I was going to say, you better catch a nap, too, because it don't start at 9 o'clock. <laughs> and national TV timeouts, too. We're going to be partying until uh, until Saturday morning tonight, Dwayne. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. Exactly. Um, well, he is Dwayne Price. You can follow him on Twitter at DPrice. At, uh, at Dwayne Price. Dwayne Price. Why do I always say DPrice? Uh, I think, uh, I don't know. <laughs> you tell me. Jeez. <laughs> What's Dwayne Price on Twitter? You can follow him at Dwayne Price. You can read him every single day at Mavs.com. And you can also hear him. Hopefully, I'm trying to convince Dwayne to uh, to come on here at least once a week. So hopefully we can get a weekly thing going with me and Dwayne. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm Bobby Corella. You can find me on Twitter at Bobby Corella. And this is Mavs Daily. If you enjoyed the episode, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and review on your favorite podcast platform. 
and we'll see you guys next week.